Hello, everyone. Welcome back, returning listeners, and welcome any new listeners to the show. This is the Rooted Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Chris Panetta. And as always, I got to say it, we're downtown in Salem, Oregon, in studio, and really looking forward to today's episode and our guest that will be joining us in studio here momentarily. Unfortunately, today, our co-host Salam Noor is out of town, and so it's just me tackling this one, but I'm happy to do it. Uh, and I'm so looking forward to speaking with Colin Box, uh, who is our guest today. Now, before I tell you a little bit about Colin, just briefly, a little bit about the Leadership Institute for any new listeners uh, that we run here is called Groundwork Leadership Institute. That's home here to Salem. And this Rooted Leadership podcast is uh, a, a podcast that was created because we created the Institute. We wanted to gather as much information and knowledge about leadership as possible. And so we thought, well, a great way to do that is a podcast. And we have uh, you know, a show and people come on and we talk to them and we learn from them and it's archived for everyone to learn and and, and to appreciate. So uh, that's why we do this. Our Leadership Institute has been around for a couple of years and it's a year-long program right now. We have several participants at a time and we have amazing speakers that come in and an incredible framework in the Rooted Framework. Uh, that's what it's called, the Rooted Framework that we use. And you can go back to some of our older episodes to learn more about that. Now, let me get to Colin. Uh, I know Colin. He's a, I consider him a friend. He's here in the community. He's the executive director of the Capital Football Club. So that's a soccer club here uh, for youth in, in the community. It's really the only big club here. I mean, you go to some places like Portland and down into California, places in Utah, uh, Texas. I mean, there's massive clubs, clubs, multiple clubs in one city. It's really unique here in Salem. There's really only one prominent club, which is CFC, abbreviated for Capital Football Club. And so Colin played in that club growing up and, you know, kind of went through the ranks, coached, has a lot of experience with the game of soccer, but now he's the executive director, which is a big job. Uh, he also is the executive, uh, the, sorry, the director of the Portland Timbers U23 team, which is a USL2, basically a semi-pro team here in our community. He's the assistant director for Cover Corver uh, Coaching in the Northwest, um, which is just a, a coaching philosophy uh, and program uh, for for kids to teach technique that's all over, and it's it's just it's amazing. He's been a pastor, um, he's been a mentor um, in the community. He's just an amazing individual. So we're going to learn from him today, and he'll tell you a little bit more about who he is. But uh, that's Colin, and again, welcome to the show, and we'll be right back with Colin joining us. Thanks for tuning in to the Rooted Leadership Podcast. Before our guest joins, you can catch more episodes, leadership tips, and community stories by following us on Facebook at Groundwork Leadership, on Twitter at Groundwork Salem, or on our website at groundworkleadership.org. All right, everyone, we're back and Colin is in studio with us right now. Colin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Look forward to, to speaking with you. And something I didn't say about Colin before is that he's also technically my boss. <laughs> my, wa my, wife and I, yeah, my wife and I coach for the club uh, here that, uh, that he, you know, he's the, the director over. And, and, uh, and so technically he's my boss, so I better be on my best behavior here today. I'll be evaluating you. Yeah. Um, 
throughout this whole podcast. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, Colin, uh, I mentioned that I gave an introduction to to you know what you do in the community. Please expound on that and tell our listeners you know a little bit more about who you are, and then we'll jump sure. into some some good conversations. So I lead Capital Football Club here in Salem. Uh, I, people just kind of refer to me as the soccer guy. So okay. that's what I'm... It's not a bad thing. Yeah, not a bad thing. I'm. That's what I'm known by. But um, yeah, just, just everything to do with uh, soccer in our community and, and what it does both on and off the field. So we have a lot of... A lot of kids. We have about three thousand kids every year that we're working with and their families and coaching mm-hmm. staff and so on. So it's it's a lot and but it's a lot of fun too. Yeah. And what about and tell us who you are, you know? What else do you what about what what we do and who we are is different. So <laughs> very true. So who is Colin? Uh I grew up here in Salem for the most part. Um married my high school sweetheart and we have four kids, two of whom we adopted from foster care that are originally from Cambodia. And then we have two biological kids as well. So foster adoptive care is kind of a piece of our story as well. And, um, and yeah, just love being here in Salem. I love our community. I love being active and, and really I have a pretty boring life for the most part, but I, I really don't mind that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I mean, I, you know, my, my days look the same, uh, pretty boring, but I, I I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Well, that's cool. Um, and I hope that any of those components that make up who you are, you know, can be part of the conversation sure. whenever you, you know, want to tie them in your experience yeah. being a, a foster parent. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, anytime that's, that's relevant to a part of our conversation, please, please share. I know that's sure. probably some, some, uh, incredible insights behind that. Uh, so you mentioned something that maybe we can start with, uh, you are homegrown to the soccer club here. You played for the club. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, um, you coached, you kind of went through the, the rankings. Now you're the executive director of the club. That's pretty unique. If you think about it in another organizational space, there's not a lot of CEOs or executive directors that were, you know, that went through <laughs> that, it, that it's been a, a 20, 30 year old. joining, yeah. you know, 30 <laughs> some year process of yes. becoming that. So I think that's pretty unique with, with you. Um, so tell us about that, you know, I mean, tell us about that just journey, that journey. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I literally started with, it was Salem United soccer club and we wore purple and white back in the day. But, uh, I, I was, my dad was my coach, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of typical recreational soccer experience. And then I, I kind of watched and lived through the, the club growing and changing a little bit, you know, hiring new coaches from out of the country and played uh-huh. for some of those people. Soccer, I mean, has grown quite a bit. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I, I remember going back to watching the world cup tapes on my VHS player and that was yeah. the only soccer that was available to watch. Yeah. So. I think we grew up in the same era and, yes. and soccer was not as big as it is now. No. In the US. No. So, so a little different, but it's been, it's been interesting to watch. And I think that experience going through it and seeing kind of the ups and downs of the club in general definitely informed my experience and what I try and do now and vision for what the, you know, things could look like. So I think that's interesting. Um, I, I ended up, uh, going to college to play soccer, ended up having hip surgery when I was 18 years old. So that was kind of the end of that. And that's Mm -hmm. how I got back involved with the club is I just didn't really know what to do with myself after playing soccer my whole life. Yeah. And so I got involved with coaching 
And then from there, you know, honestly, the club kind of was not in the greatest of spots. And so I had a, I, I mean, I, I've kind of always ended up being in leadership positions in one way or another, but I was really young and realized that there was no leadership really at the club. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, the moment that it became clear was we showed up, all of our coaches showed up for a meeting that was supposed to be run by someone and nobody was there. <laughs> and so we're all sitting around, all the parents are there, all the coaches are here and nobody shows up wow. to run the meeting. And I was only, I think I was only 21 at the time. I was not old, uh-huh. but I was like, this is not hard. Someone yeah. just needs to show up, be prepared and run the meeting and things could be better than they are right now. Yeah. And so that's when I kind of started thinking about, I could get involved with this. I don't have the experience, but I, I do know how kind of the basic things of show mm-hmm. up, be prepared, communicate. Yeah. Those Which you learned things. playing soccer, exactly. you know? Exactly. So yeah. that was kind of the beginning of me getting involved with, with CFC on a leadership level. Um, and then, uh, honestly, it wasn't really my vision to keep doing what I'm doing, yeah. but it just kind of kept continuing to grow and grow. And, and I just feel like I've uniquely been given a, an experience of soccer and the leadership lessons that have come from that and being a homegrown, yeah. you know, individual that, uh, this is kind of a, I feel like I, I'm in my sweet spot a little bit. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, amazing things that you've done with the club, you know, bringing uh, essentially semi-pro men's and women's team to the community has been, you know, part of that journey as well. And, and I want to, I want to backtrack a couple of things sure. that stuck out, <laughs> stuck out to me in what you were saying. The first is I just have to acknowledge this because I went through the same experience of hanging up the cleats or the yes. boots, right? That's as we say, as, as athletes, soccer players, the, the day when you have to hang them up and it's tough you know, a lot of people don't know this. There's actually some research on this. The the psycholo- the psychological impacts of dedicating your whole life yeah. to a sport. And as you excel and it becomes more and more competitive, you go to college, it's day in, day out, eat, breathe, eat, breathe, mm-hmm. eat, breathe your sport. And then one day it just ends. And some to injury and then some because your college career is over. Yeah. And <laughs> like, well, what do I do now? Exactly. And uh, and that's, I mean, that, that, that touches on a whole other set of topics like is well what was my life more did my life mean more than soccer before yes. this or was that just filling my that hole for meaning for a time and now now what do I do uh there's a lot of things that you know that can be said about that but I I think that's interesting um that's something to you know to think about is you know we 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 get so into a to a habit or something that we do some of it might be our job it might be family, but then when dynamics change in life, what, what do we do? You know, empty nesters when their kids are gone, they're like, they look at each other. Well, what do we do now? Yes. Uh, so there's a lot of changes in life like that. But one that I can relate to is definitely yeah. hanging up the cleats. For sure. It was, it was tough. You can ask my wife. She, she saw firsthand and she experienced it herself, but I, I probably didn't take it quite as well as her. <laughs> uh, so thanks for thanks for sharing some of that and and really cool. I didn't know that about just the the leadership, you know, yeah. the lack of leadership that you saw, which is interesting because especially work with youth, we we teach youth these principles, but then we have a hard time yes. doing them ourselves. For Show sure. up, be on time, be a leader, take initiative, <laughs> be accountable. But we're all a bunch of big kids. It's I true. mean, adults are just a bunch of big kids, and. uh so it's just funny like that, right? And and the great part of working with youth is we're on the same journey that they are. Maybe we've just seen a few more things. 
but we're on the same journey that they are, which is, I think, part of the fun and coaching and working with kids. That's why we enjoy it, you know, that, sure. that development side of it. Um, we're learning just as much as they are. So, uh, so awesome. So we've talked about, you know, the, that idea of being homegrown, you've seen a lot, which I think is a huge advantage because you've seen things, how they've, how they were, how they've progressed and you kind of, you see a vision for the future. So tell us, um, and Salam, our co-host, I know I mentioned this to you, but for listeners, Salam has been here many years. He loves soccer. So he was actually bummed. He couldn't be here today. <laughs> he's I'm uh, I couldn't see him. Yeah. He's so. going out of town and going out of town for the weekend. And, uh, yeah, he's, he was, he was bummed. He couldn't, he couldn't participate, but Salam loves soccer for any listeners that don't know his kids played. And he was telling me before I said, Hey, you know, what, what would you, what would have you talked to Colin about? And he said, well, being in the community for 20 something years, I've seen how the club has changed significantly since Colin took over. Um, and what he mentioned that he's seen uh, that has just been clear proof was the uh, the level of community engagement. So that's I thought of that just recently mm-hmm. when I said seeing where you want the club to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really easy in U.S. youth soccer, which is a massive money machine in the United States. If, for those of you who don't know, there's tons of money in it. Uh, you know, I had teammates in college who, whose coach, their club coach in California, Southern California, they made like a hundred, it was like $150,000 that oh, for yeah. being a club coach. It's like a it's full-time wild. job. It's crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so it's in some places it's just massive and that's the kind of the, the culture and the expectation. They're so expensive, you know, you got to pay to play. And so kids that have the best resources and life circumstances typically get more opportunities. I mean, I was a scholarship kid growing up. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, you can, you can ask my wife and my parents, we had to skip around to different clubs because I would get a one-year scholarship yep. and then I would go to the next club to get a one-year <laughs> and And so I never had a consistent club. Yeah. And so I experienced being on the other side of that. And I yeah. felt like I missed out on a lot of opportunities because I couldn't go to the tournaments. I couldn't pay for mm-hmm. things. And, and I know you and I know how you're seeing our community and how you want to provide opportunities to our community uh, and where, you know, I think I have an idea of where you want it to, to go. And you mentioned more than soccer. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about the changes that, that you've seen, um, in being here and where you're envisioning for the future and just, sure. just start talking about that. I think that we can, we can pull a lot of, <laughs> sure. a lot of nuggets from, from that conversation. Sounds good. Well, I think, um, the changes, I think, I think really when I started with the club, it was, Again, I, I mean, I didn't have any experience. I was young. I mean, to be honest, I was leading and the boss of some of my own coaches growing up at the club. Mm. And so that dynamic was really interesting. Oh, yeah. So I had to think through, okay, how can I, like, how how can I lead you mm-hmm. <laughs> and make this into a, a situation where you respect the direction that I want mm-hmm. to go and, and we can all work together towards a common purpose? And so what I, I started with, especially for those coaches, was just, look, I'm here to support you. You know more than me probably about all of this stuff anyway, so I'm just here to support you, and this is the direction we want to go. Yeah. We, we all see that we want these pieces to improve, so if you can just r- rely on me in these areas, I'm going to work hard on your behalf, uh-huh. and um, we'll work forward together. And I think that that started to, to create some trust, and really there's no... Um, no progress without having that trust in place. Oh yeah. And so just saying, I mean, it's just the simple things, right? Do what you say that you're going to do, um, support people and, and value who they are, not just what they do. 
and be you know listen to what uh, what their needs are, what their what their issues are that they're confronting, and try to be a problem solver in those ways. I think that um, that's what I started with, and I think that that kind of flowed from the coaches to you know to the the families that were involved to the players. You know, I, I think that that's what it, you know more than a soccer club means is that. We want to, yes, we, we are doing soccer. The thing that draws us all together is that we love playing this game with this ball on the field. Mm -hmm. But so many other factors outside of the game are impacting what our performance looks like on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, yeah. how did I sleep last night? Or did I get into a big argument with my parents before coming to practice? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, all of those other things matter. And oftentimes on a performance level, sometimes those things make a bigger difference than even some of the other things that oh, are yeah. there. So. Um, so yeah, I think just establishing that layer of trust and like, Hey, I care about you more than just what you produce, but actually I really do care about you uh -huh. then has kind of started to, you know, flow into some of the other areas and throughout, throughout the community in a sense. So, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I mean, we've, you know, I know you know this, but listeners, mm -hmm. my wife and I are the goalkeeper trainers for the club and we have a kid that, that we've been training for a long time, you know, since we first started, you know, so three years straight. Uh, has refined his technique, but I just recently found out, and this kind of speaks to the idea that, you know, it's really easy to fall into, oh, I'm just supposed to teach him about goalkeeping, right? But I just recently found out and it was a little bit, you know, crushing and I kind of felt bad, but I just found out that he didn't, he doesn't even like to be there. Yeah. He just doesn't even want to show up that mm -hmm. he he said he hates it oh, and uh <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm like don't tell me that man <laughs> but uh but he said his mom's making him do it you mm -hmm. know and so he's on the front of my mind every time we show up but you know heard some you know the evals of him as well that he's just not performing very well and no wonder why the no, kid doesn't exactly. want to be there right yeah. and is he getting the experience to where he's he loves it, right? Mm -hmm. And he's not just coming here because his mom told him to. And I've seen a little bit of an attitude change and his enjoyment. I mean, he was getting to this point where he was complacent in every drill we were sure. doing. And I had to like, just, you know, threaten him, hey, do five burpees. Or, you know. <laughs> and, and finally he said that and it's just changed at least how I see him. Yes. And I've noticed a little bit more energy and he has, he's starting to have fun again. And I asked him yesterday if he wants to be, you want to be here today? <laughs> nope. <laughs> and so I'm getting, I'm good getting there. there. <laughs> I'm, yeah, good honesty. I'm getting there. But now we have the relationship to where I can talk to him about it. Sure. And, uh, you know, I don't know what his coach, if his coach knows that at all, but, you know, if a kid doesn't want to be there and they're not performing well on the field, that's because there's something that's missing there. Yeah. And, and so I've recently become alive to that. So I appreciate you saying that there's yeah. so many things they well, could have just gotten out of a car and argument with their mom of not wanting to be there. And now, exactly. now they have to give me their hundred percent. Yeah. Like, and I think we see, you know, it's like that you see just the tip of the iceberg in a sense of this is what's seen, but you yeah. have no idea what these kids or you, you know, whoever is coming to you with based off of their experience from beforehand. And mm -hmm. so to take the time to ask or to notice, I think that that, you know, everybody can teach tactics or teach, uh -huh. you know, fundamentals of how to dribble or how to pass or whatever else. But I think that to to get to that level of greatness or to to really do, you know, something different is, is when you go beyond those things to establish that relational bond, to see beyond what you can see and, and, and you know, really get curious yeah. about what, what is un underneath the surface. Um, and how can you do more than just soccer? How yeah. can you 
help this kid with, you know, hey, you've got this issue that's going on at home with your parents or your siblings or, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, you have aspirations of playing soccer in college, but you're not showing up to school. Like that's going to be an issue here. So I think that um, the first step is really just to to notice. And I think that it's easy. The easiest pathway forward is just to do kind of the fundamentals, do the things that you can see. But I think, you know, taking the time to, to, to establish that relationship and to notice is, is key. It's important. Yeah. So. I have two questions I want to hear your thoughts mm-hmm. on. The, the first, I'm going to answer the, I'm going to ask the first one, but I want you to ask the sec, answer the second question okay. first, but I want to <laughs> state the first one so I don't forget. You know, we're talking about this idea of more than soccer and there has to be a change within people within the club, mm-hmm. right? And even the kids, but this idea of community, how, so I want you to think about this and we come back to it. How do you get a community to see that CFC is more than a soccer club, mm-hmm. right? Um, that you have a reach and an impact on families and kids that's unique, right? Mm-hmm. Because they come to you, right? Uh, and and they love the game. And then, mm-hmm. like you said, yeah. this game with a ball and some lines on a field and a bunch of people running around brings people together. Mm-hmm. Um, so think about that question. How do we help a community see that this is more than soccer? But then I want to go back to just more of a kind of a technical thing with, with soccer. I'm just curious on your thoughts on, (laughs) you know, oftentimes, and we probably do this in all sports, but I think I see it a little bit more in, in soccer. And I don't know why it is, but it's a world global sport and there's a lot of talent of soccer all over the world and different countries play different ways. But I feel like, especially in youth soccer, we look at the, like the best of the best. And we look Mm -hmm. at maybe let's say premier league, European soccer and how they play and then we try to expect kids to yeah. play that way, mm-hmm. right? And and to 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 produce those sort yeah. of results. But at the end of the day, we're working with kids yeah. who, like you said, might have just gotten out of the car and exactly. an argument with their parent. And and so it's I find myself sometimes expecting kids to to play a certain way or get something. Like, why can't you just, you know, service the ball <laughs> and, and do a side volley like like this, yeah. you know? And, and I find myself getting impatient, but I, I'm probably speaking for many coaches in that way. But there's also just the silliness there of why am I trying to, in my club here in Salem or my team here, my little old team in Salem, why am I giving an expectation of uh, the best of the best in what I want them to do? Does that make sense? I mean, yeah. why, why, why do you think it is that we, we do that? And how are people changing that? And, and that you've seen, because I'm sure there's a lot of people trying to change that perspective, especially yeah. in coaching young kids and uh, any other thoughts that you have on it. Sure. I think that we, we, we want, we look at these examples and we think, and we expect that this is an easy process or something like that. But sometimes we don't think about maybe where, where we're at and yeah. be realistic with, with the age of the kids or the talent level of the kids. And I think there's a balance to you you want to expect a lot from players but you also don't want to expect too much to get to that frustration level mm-hmm. i think in general we usually hold other people accountable to a greater level than we would like to be held <laughs> yeah, accountable yeah. to ourselves yeah. and so um it's easy to look it, soccer is such a i mean just like any sports you you have the sideline you know the the couch uh, you know couch coaches in a sense that you can go and see and go, you go do that, but you jump in there and try and figure yeah. that out. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's easy to pass judgment. And, um, and I think that the other piece 
to kind of play into what you're saying is that we need to have age appropriate um, methods of teaching yeah. kids because you look at um, things like brain development and mm-hmm. what's like what's like realistic for these kids. I, simple example is what I tell the coaches a lot of times working with the young, young players is you got to use a lot of cones because <laughs> yeah. they don't like the brain has not yeah. developed to the point where they're uh, n- able to think outside of a concrete yeah. like if the line is not there, they cannot draw the line from it's one true. cone to the other. So if we're I, expecting them to figure some of these pieces out. I just made out, that mistake yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Drill didn't go as well as I thought. And I'll tell you the easy answer. I should have put cones yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense to you, yeah. right? Yeah. But the but giving those things and acknowledging kind of the the growth stage that the kids are at, whether that's, you know, physically or emotionally or you know, brain development wise, I think we need to as, I mean, it's just like education. Sports are another place of education. Mm-hmm. So we train our educators to be able to have age appropriate curriculum. Yeah, We need to have age appropriate curriculum for our kids across the board. Yeah. And that's not to put limits on kids, but it is to say like, what's reasonably to be expected so that we can, um, you know, give them the tools to be able to succeed Yeah, and find that flow of enough challenge, but not so much that we get super discouraged. Yeah. So... No, that's great insight. And not to relate, you know, I want to make a leadership plug here and not to relate, you know, for leaders out there, your, your employees as children, that's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but though that whole idea of, look, leaders are leaders for a reason. Usually they have a lot of experience. Usually they excelled at something. They were recognized. They have a skill set. They're a leader. Now, it doesn't mean that they're fully prepared to be a leader, but it means that they see their craft a certain way. And it's easy for leaders to just expect other people to see that craft the same way. And we get frustrated that people aren't just aren't yeah. getting it. But uh, and again, not to relate employees of organizations to kids, but are we putting the cones down? Right. Definitely. What are the metaphorical cones that we need to put down in our organizations to help people yeah, that we serve for sure. to succeed? And I think you know? that that's been for me, I, I it's easy to talk with my people about soccer and relate all these things metaphorically to those things. But I see I see myself as a coach, like I'm not the person I'm not the kid on the field playing the game. Yeah. I have to be the one who's on the side, creating the pathway and setting the vision of this is how we're going to play. This is what we're going to do. And so I don't get to go onto the field and fix all these things. But what I do get to do is say, here's the drills that we need to do or here's the steps here's the process, this is where we're at in the season or whatever, to be able to kind of adjust that level so that we can continue to make progress together. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the same thing in coaching that I see in, in leadership, the same sort of cycle. And I'm guilty of it myself, but you know, I mentioned leaders and I've said this on a few other episodes, but leaders usually become leaders because they are really good at something. Like if they're mm-hmm. a salesperson, they were really good. And so they yeah. get promoted to be a leader, but they're like, now what? Now what? Yeah. I'm, I'm not a leader. I don't know anything. I don't know how to lead. And I, I actually sometimes see the same thing in coaching and I'm guilty of it myself is you excelled at the sport and now all of a sudden you're in, you've had opportunities that places you in a spot to be a coach, but it's like, well, I actually not sure how to do this the right sure. way. Right. Uh, cause that's an interesting dynamic to, to figure out because there's not a, you know, what prepares us. I mean, there's obviously classes and things that we can take and clinics and sports that you can go to, but um, it, it does emphasize the importance of, of continual learning and education. Uh, definitely. And I think having mentorship relationships or other people you can go yeah. to, to say, Hey, I'm coming up to this specific problem. I mean, that's what we do with our coaches, right? Mm-hmm. On the field is you've got this specific area where you're needing help 
And it's one thing to listen to a podcast or to read a book, but to have someone who's there and can give you real yeah. honest advice about what's going on. I know that that's been incredibly important to me, you know, talking with um, one of my mentors is Ricardo Baez, who I, I coached his kids and he leads Don Poncho, mm. uh, you know, authentic Mexican food. So he's managing a huge organization and I just sit down with him and say, you know, hey, these are the issues that I'm facing. What do you What do you say to this? And yeah. having that personal connection is has been. I mean, his words live in my head from yeah. time to time because it's just it's been so important to have that. Yeah, mentors are are such a she's are such an important thing. And and you know, we have a mentorship program in our leadership institute for that reason. I feel like there's so much growth that happens in mentorship. And I was actually thinking about this the other day. Um, I was sitting with, I was introducing somebody that I care and, and love to one of my mentors. And so I'm just sitting in the room, listening to them have a conversation. And uh, I was reminded of why, I, how I met this person and why I care so deeply about, about them and why I respect them. And it got me thinking of a kind of an exercise. I did this mentally, but I actually think it would be a good exercise to do, you know, physically with a pen and paper. But I thought of all the, the people in my life that have had a major influence on me that have I was using this word, these words in my mind that have changed my life, right? Kind of cliche, but who has changed my life? Mm -hmm. And I, what I don't mean is like, you know, all, ultimately a lot of people we meet change our lives. You know, we have a friend, they can change our life. We meet somebody in the grocery store that smiles at us that day when we needed it. Sure, that's a change. And so those, not to disregard those is not important, but what I mean by change is life is like, visit, there's manifestations behaviorally and life dynamics change completely because this person changed your life. So think of those individuals, and it's usually just a handful, right? And if you're married, you kind of, you know, or you're, you're in a relationship, obviously your partner, your spouse, they're one of those people. Yeah. So count them, but I want, I want us to think of people that aren't parents or spouses or siblings. You know, who are they? And so I started thinking of all those individuals, right, by name, just in the last like 10, 15 years. And then I started to think about why all of those people changed my life? And why are they mentors to me? Why do I care about them so much? And I looked for similarities in all of those relationships. And it was actually really enlightening to me of these people all changed my life. And this was kind of the pattern of what happened. Yeah. Um, it was extremely helpful uh, uh, for me to, for me to do that. I actually encourage any, any listener to, to do that. I think you'll discover things about you and, and about how you can grow and what resonates with you, what That's works good. for you. Um, when you look at life that way, yeah. uh, but yeah, so, so random plug there, but, uh, <laughs> you got me thinking about that. Thanks for all of that. That was really helpful. Hopefully, uh, anyone listening, you know, was able to pull, um, some, some learning from that, but let's jump in now to, to the more than soccer thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that thing, that, that topic yeah. excites me. So how do we help? I'll rephrase the question. How do yeah. we help our community? So how do you help your community being the executive director of the club to see soccer, to see the club as more than soccer, right? Because there's probably a lot of people, parents, players, everyone included, that this is a soccer club. So yeah. what they do, they just play soccer. But I think it's much more. And I think that the impact that the club can have is, is, is greater than just a game. Yeah. I think that the challenge there is that if you've, if you've lived it, you've almost experienced experience speaks to it for yourself. So I saw it within my own life, you know, Hey, what, what did soccer give to me? You look at the leadership lessons. I think that that's, you know, from a competitive standpoint, I think uh, soccer or sports in general is a place where 
usually kids care about what the result is. They care about getting better at those things and they have to deal with winning and losing and working on your weaknesses and showing up on time and all of those pieces. And I think that that is one element of being, you know, more than soccer. And so Mm -hmm. I think we personally experience that Yeah. as far as, you know, how do we show everybody else what that looks like? I, I, you know, obviously culturally, how do you, how do you influence a culture so that people see that, that it's known? I, I know one of the things we've been trying to do is really just look at you know, behaviors that we're, we're asking for our, our parents and our players to go through that are more than soccer types Mm -hmm. of behaviors, values that we hold, making those public and what do we celebrate? And so if we have these kind of visible, you know, markers of, Hey, these are the pieces that we're celebrating. These are the things, these are our values. These are some of the behaviors that we're expecting of everybody as we come here that don't really have anything to do with soccer. Like, Hey, every practice Come up to your coach, introduce yourself by name. You know, say, we ask the coaches, hey, say the name of every player and introduce them and make a connection every single practice. Yeah. And so it's those little pieces of how do we, we, we demand those things of our coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we broadcast those in a sense. Um, and then we celebrate them. And, and, and so you create that culture that then, people want to be a part of that. Yeah. And so, so you, you, I think I, that's a tricky thing, but I think that that's kind of getting at what you're, yeah. you're asking. Yeah, definitely in, in kind of in part of those who are directly connected to the club, mm-hmm. right? How, you know, here's another kind of question, uh, you know, how do we, what about the, the people in our community that mm-hmm. maybe don't have any connection to the club? They don't have kids playing. Um, mm-hmm. They don't really maybe they don't even care about soccer. They don't like it. Uh, but again, I, I'm, I go back to this idea that the club has a place in our community beyond being a, an extracurricular activity for kids, which is important. Yes. And so when, you know, what do you say to them about it's more than a soccer club? I say that, uh, everybody has something that they really care about for some kids, it is soccer. For some kids, it's music. For some kids, it's all of these things. And we need to be able to provide these kinds of opportunities for our kids that aren't just, you know, a place for them to be watched over while their parents are at work or whatever else that might be. But there's real life learning that's happening there. So like mentorship that's happening with the coaches to the to the kids, like we've been talking about creating that relational um, thing. I, one of the things that I tell people a lot of times is, you know, you, you might not remember, to be honest, you might not remember every teacher that you've had or everybody else, but I bet you can remember every single coach that you've had your entire life because they've had an impact on your life in a way that maybe, you know, others, others haven't. And to this day, I, I am connected with a lot of those coaches and, and, and have those relationships going on. So I think, I, I think that the mentorship piece is a big piece of it. I think obviously the life skills piece of it is a big piece of it. Um, we, we do other things in the community, like we've got our after school soccer program yeah. that we're doing, which reaches out to specifically fourth and fifth graders who are at risk of going into gangs or getting involved in some of these other things that we are trying to give them a positive mentor. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, it, the research says that the more positive adult relationships that you have, the, the, the better your life outcomes are going to uh-huh. be. So we give them those, we give them something to do after school. 
Um, it gets them connected back into the schools. And I think that that's a piece of it too, is that sports are such a great tool for motivating kids and yeah. keeping them engaged with their education and giving them a hope for their future. And, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot is we do have a lot of kids that are on scholarship or are receiving financial assistance to participate. We have over 40% of our kids that are at or below poverty. And, um, and many of those kids every year are coming through and there's, you know, a handful of those every year who it's their, their, their first generation in their family to go to college. And so, yeah, soccer is important. It got you there. Maybe it gave you the vision of that, but what impact does that have on, on, on your generations of your life and, and how those pieces, you know, you have a, a vision for your future, mm-hmm. you know, where you're going, you have a desire and sometimes it's college, sometimes it isn't, but mm-hmm. having that dream is important. And I think that's one other thing that, that soccer gives us. Yeah. I, you know, what comes to mind is the difference between transactional and transformational. And I just wrote a paper on, on, on this actually for school. Uh, Mm -hmm. so it's fresh on my mind, but specifically with leadership, there's a lot of literature on, on transformational leadership and, and transactional leadership. But I was just thinking, you know, soccer and sports in general, they're structurally set up to be a transactional experience. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, transaction meaning motivators come from reward or punishment. I mean, that's, that's sports in a nutshell, right? Like it's a transactional experience. You're motivated to win uh, or, or, or not, right? And, and the, <laughs> there's a fear or a reward that's, that's there in place. And so it's set up to be a transactional experience, which transaction, you know, transactional leadership, actually there's evidence that shows that it works, right? Sure. But then there's this other idea of transformational leadership, right? Which is ideas of kind of idealized influence, connecting people to their, to bigger purpose. And I think that sports have an incredible ability to be a transformational experience, right? It's, it's a, it's a transactional structure, but it can be a transformational experience because of everything that you're saying, right? It can help people and kids, anybody involved to see a bigger picture, to have a bigger purpose, to, to, to create a, a set of ideals that are going to propel them, you know, to, to success. Um, and, and then it becomes something transformational to them. It's Definitely. not just a transaction. Uh, but I, I remember a lot of, a lot of moments being an athlete that it was a transaction, you know, and that's what it was. And, mm-hmm. uh, you're either good enough or you're not, you're not good enough. See ya. And that's to be expected because it's a competitive environment. But, you know, that idea of transformation, I think, is is present in sports where it's not always in, in other environments. Yeah. And I think to that point, uh, there's some research out there that uh, from Positive Coaching Alliance where they talk about how sports in general aren't just good for you. It's yeah. not like, hey, you go play sports, it's going to go really, really well. Yeah. It's taking what you're talking about with that transactional experience and then creating sort of that meaning around it yeah. and being able to utilize that experience of winning or losing and framing it in yeah. a larger context to say... To find meaning in it. To find mm-hmm. meaning in it, to grow from that experience and you have to make those decisions or have some coaching decisions to be able to grow from those experiences. And so it really, it's important how your perspective on those things. Yeah. So. Yeah. Perspective is a lot of times, you know, everything, our perspective on a situation directly influences our experience with it. Um, and so it's, it's, it's managing that self-managing our own perspective and then helping others to, to do the same. Um, so with our, you know, we got about 15 or so minutes left. What keeps coming to mind for me 
uh, is the idea of servant leadership. You heard the term? Yep. Yeah. And uh, especially when, when you're talking about coaching and some of your experience and, and just your philosophy when you join the club and you have that dynamic of you're now you're leading former coaches that you had and, <laughs> and I'm here for you, you know, to serve you. Servant leadership at its core is, I mean, this is what the literature says on it as well, is putting others' needs, desires, and wants, et cetera, above your own, which is different from something we're both familiar with, outward mindset, and a lot of our listeners are. That's seeing it as the same as yours, right? It's like they're equal to Mm -hmm. mine. But servant leadership actually goes a step further and says it's above mine. And that's, to me, what coaching is, Mm -hmm. right? Like I need to see the needs of these kids as above my own, right? right? Now, obviously, I need to take care of myself and I, you know, Sure, sure. But- that I need to place them first in this environment. I Correct. can't be first in this environment. Uh, and, and I need to put them above me. And, and servant leadership, it actually is a, you know, it's a theory that is rooted in Christianity because it comes from, you know, a leader in our history who's arguably one of the best leaders of all time, right? <laughs> the goat of leadership in Jesus Christ, right? For any Christians that are listening, uh, you know, that was his style. And even if you're not Christian, you know, and you read about this individual, his whole style was servant leadership, putting others above himself. I mean, the act of washing, you know, if exactly. you read the Bible, the act, the act of washing the the disciples' feet. I mean, here's, so I'm obviously Christian. I know you are. For any non-Christian, I mean, are, you know, Jesus, the Savior claimed to be the Son of God, the most divine, powerful human being in the universe. And here he is washing the feet of disciples. And then you go back to the historical context there. It's in the Middle East, in a high desert. There's dirt, <laughs> there's mud, there's filth everywhere, and they're wearing sandals. So those feet were not feet that we see nowadays, you know? Like, it's not like a, it's not your kid's shoes when they come home from soccer yeah. practice and they're kind of stinky. Way worse than that. And he's washing them. I mean, that that flips to me leadership on its head because when you hear, I think servant leadership is is just a genius paradox because servant, when you hear the word servant, you think of bottom of the food chain, somebody that comes last, right? Uh, somebody that's beneath others. And then when you hear the term leadership, you think of the very opposite, opposite, somebody at the top, somebody that should come first, somebody that, you know, yeah. that's just what those terms connotate, right? right? And then you put them together and it's an amazing genius paradox because you're flipping leadership on its head yeah. and, and you're entering as a servant. Right. And I think Simon Sinek is the one with leaders eat last, yep, exactly. right? Similar principle. But a lot of people don't know that it's actually rooted in, in, Christ, in Christianity. Like the, the, the people that started dubbing that term looked to people like mm-hmm. Jesus Christ as an example of servant leadership. And whether we're Christian or not, religious or not, the concept behind servant leadership, it works um, and it's helpful and it's successful. So I want to stop talking and let you respond, but <laughs> that idea of servant leadership, I think, is is important in, in general, but right. I see it more um, applicable in sports in this conversation. So I just love your thoughts and, and yeah, I think, perspective on that. I, I mean, you know, honestly, uh, the yes, there's the, the biblical side of servant leadership and everything, but actually one of my first jobs that I had, I remember so vividly, um, the boss sat down with me and one other person that was getting trained that day uh-huh. and spent, you know, six hours, uh, I'm, you know, wow. 16 years old or whatever, uh-huh. joining this, you know, bakery to be uh-huh. a, the lowest of the low food <laughs> yeah. chain. And uh-huh. here's the boss that's spending all day with me. Wow. And he said this, 
you know, hey, I'm spending more time with you today than I am with my wife. And I remember him saying that piece of like, I'm valuing you. We we have a servant leadership model in our business mm-hmm. or whatever is what he said. And so you're you're just a I'm I'm at the bottom of this. So you're the most important person at this entire organization right now. Yeah. And and you know that had an impact on me. And so then obviously you know there's what you had referred to with the biblical Jesus's style of leadership and everything. But taking that with me into the context and the situation that I found myself in with the club. Um, I, I think that it kind of comes back to what you were talking about, about our identity and Mm. where we find our identity, because I totally had that identity crisis of like, I couldn't for a year after I had my surgery and couldn't play, I, I literally could not watch soccer. I I couldn't turn it on the TV, couldn't go to anything. I couldn't do it because it just, Mm -hmm. I was, I was depressed. It was sad. But, but through that process of saying like, yes, this is important, but this isn't who I am. Mm-hmm. I think that frees you, that gives you a level of freedom to say, I, I don't need to be seen as this, you know, super awesome, whatever thing and have super successful experience in this leadership role. My role does not define me. I get to now be freed up to be able to be a servant to everybody who's here. Yeah. And now my goal is to really take the 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 focus off of me and what, you know, what I want to get out of this experience and make it more about how do I how do I make your experience the best possible whether you're a coach that's working for me or you're a parent who's got a kid in our programs or you're one of the kids. And how do we I I think that approach is you know, how I've tried to to handle things. And I think that that there's a fear that you give away too much in mm-hmm. a sense, because it's kind of counterintuitive in a sense, like, well, I'm you're, you're the boss, you should be able to be respected and all yeah. of these pieces. But I think that what, what I found and what I, you know, I think that the more that you give away, the more really does come back to you. And so, yes, you're giving away power. Yes, you're giving away these things. But in a sense, you're earning trust. You're earning these things that are then even more powerful than what you could have grasped at at the beginning. Yeah. And um, and that's, I think that's at the core of kind of servant leadership. Yeah. No, I, I like that, you know, you, you said this, you said give away. You're in a, what are we, you know, what are we willing to give away? And for any, uh, you know, non-Christian listeners, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep using these biblical analogies, but I think they're so relevant. You know, there's a famous scripture. What is it? John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? Mm-hmm. Like what an example of what you're saying of giving away, right? Now, Christians, we believe we're all spirit children of of God, but here's his literal son, and he loved us all equally enough to give his only son to us as an atoning sacrifice, right? Like that's a that's what he was willing to give away, mm-hmm. you know? So that's an example of servant leadership. So what are we willing to give away um, as leaders? That's a, that's a question to ask um, That's I think starts us on the path of servant leadership because servant leadership is like most other leadership styles. You can't just say, today, I'm going to be a transformational leader. <laughs> today, I'm going to be a servant leader. Doesn't It's not that easy. It starts with something, and I think that the path to servant leadership, as I've thought about it, starts with answering the question, what am I willing to give away today um, uh, as a leader, you know, as an individual? And I love the story about that boss that you had, willing to give away that, that time with people in his life who obviously he, 
he he loves, right? And it reminded me of uh, one of my favorite um, Christian psychologists, uh, Soren Kierkegaard. I might be dis- destroying his last name, but he once said, uh, and this isn't going to be word for word, but he once said, uh, those who love only they prefer do not love at all, right? Oh, that's good. Like, those who love only they prefer do not love at all. And so I think your boss is a great example of that because mm-hmm. it's really easy to say, well, of course, I love my wife more than these new employees. Right. But that's an example of living that statement is if I love somebody, if I, if I start to love only those I prefer, mm-hmm. then I really am not grasping what loving people and loving actually means. Uh, and that's something really deep to think about, you know, <laughs> like, do I love, do I really love my, my wife if I'm, if I am, 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 if I'm not seeing others as, as equal, as right. equally, as equally worthy of that love. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, we're, we're social creatures, we create relationships. And so we start to categorize importance of amongst relationships. Um, but then here's this example of, of God, right? So love the world. He gave up his only begotten son. And so that's, that's an incredible example of equal distribution of love, yeah. uh, but also of what are we willing to give away? Um, so I, I'm glad you brought that up. That's what made me, it made me think of. And I think that's a first step in servant leadership. Yeah, that's good. Um, I felt like I was going to say something, but now I can't remember what I was going to say. So. <laughs> it's probably probably <laughs> it profound. Really you better profound. remember it. Uh, well, what, I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on that? You're the one that brought up. What am I willing to give away? And I think that's so so important in servant leadership. Yeah, I, I think to the point of what you're saying about um, the you you're only like what is love if you're only loving the ones that are going to love you back or mm-hmm. or that kind of a concept. I do think that it's leaders as a as a rule really need to be the ones who are the ones who are giving the most away mm-hmm. i think and i think there's a balance to that in terms of you want to take care of yourself yeah. and you have limitations and all of those things but in a sense you need to be setting the example of being willing to give um uh, you know whatever away to whoever and to to those that aren't like you and i think that's I would say that that's something that's I really enjoy about the soccer community is that really there are so many people there that are not like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so to have to be in relationship, to, to be forced to be a teammate or to be mm-hmm. forced to kind of be on the same field as as all these other people that I, I normally wouldn't really get along with or, or see, um, create some some interesting situations where you know, am I willing to be a servant in this situation? Because I don't like you. I don't like you. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't like you. Uh-huh. I don't think that you're worthy, whatever it might be. But um, I think that that's where, that's where it does, again, become just more than soccer. Because it's not just this transactional experience like you yeah. were discussing of, you know, winning and losing. It's, you know, hey, I'm, I'm learning how to get, get along with or to serve or to create momentum together with someone who's really not like me. And I think yeah. that is really at the core of leadership. Leadership is influence. Leadership, you have to have followers to have to yeah. be a leader. And so if you're not if you're only leading people that look like you, how effective are you as a leader? Yeah. I think that there's an element of, you know, you should have some different kinds of personalities. You yeah. should have some different kinds of things oh, because sure. it's because those those goals and those things that you're after are aspirational and they they apply beyond, you know, your, your socioeconomic background. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's really, you know, the essence of servitude is, is, uh, 
am I, am I doing, as I think it's another interesting paradox, am I serving just for myself? Yes. <laughs> right. Cause it makes me feel good. Exactly. You know, I serve because it makes me feel good. And it's, it's funny cause you know, and, and there's some psychological research, they actually call it the big me mm. of all these, uh, wonderful values, service, gratitude, things of that nature. And they're, they're scientific evidence that people are happier, healthier, physically and mentally when they possess those values. So like when you're more grateful, your happiness increases, your, your, health, your health increases. And so it can become about me. Like I need to be this way so I feel exactly. better about myself. And which I think takes away from the essence of something like service because I'm not serving for me. But we live in a world with the big me where it's really easy to make it about ourselves. And, and so the, the core of servant leadership, if it starts to become about, I'm going to utilize this technique of servant leadership because I want to get better results, yeah. right? And I want people to like me and I want this and I want that. Then at the outset, we've already kind of muddied the, <laughs> what servant exactly. leadership means because um, it's not supposed to be easy and it's going to be a little uncomfortable and, you know, as one of our previous guests on the show, Chad Ford in his book, Dangerous Love, it requires the dangerous love, not the easy love, right? It's, that's when they, yeah. they, they love you back. And your boss that day, he took a risk because you guys could have went home and been like, that guy's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, a, what an idiot, you know? And he has to take the risk by giving that time away to somebody who might not reciprocate, yeah. who might end up being a bad employee, Exactly, And so that's, again, a great example of they're the first that have to give, right? They're the first that have to give. Um, and, his, you know, his example and that we shared with you, I think, is, is really powerful because you didn't have to do anything with that. Yeah. But yet he's still there giving it to you. And mm -hmm. he's going to give it to the next person, the next person, and the next person. Some of them are going to like it. Some of them are going to hate it. And that's the, that's the hard part about service is... Uh, you don't control the, we don't the response. Con we don't always control the response. Yeah. Now, we're better, I think, at service when we know that what we're serving is what people need and what they yeah. want, which is, I think, a kind of a deeper level of understanding service if I'd done my homework to know that this service is going to pay off and be helpful to that right. person. But, you know, we, we, we're, we're not in control of outcomes. And, uh, and so, that's the, I think that's the scary part about it. But. Yeah, and I think that's, you know... That's that's really difficult because we do have to be comfortable with that. It's not mm -hmm. easy to be comfortable with losing control in yeah. a sense because we all control means comfort and we like we like being in control. We like when things are predictable and when you do serve others with an opportunity for them to reject it or to do something different with it, what are you going to like what are you going to do with that? Yeah. What it that's not within your within your control. And so I think I think having your identity, you know, that, that's why identity becomes such a big piece of this because is your identity in your leadership? Is it in your work? Are you serving others so that you can serve yourself in a sense? Or, you know, what, what is your motivation behind these, the, the actions that you have to control or to really give? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. We're coming to an end of the show now. I know this, this has been really fun. We, we should do, uh, we should do a, uh, you know, Second episode all about servant <laughs> leadership because we can keep talking about it. It's been really fun, engaging. Good. So uh, we might have to consider doing that. But to close, um, obviously, want to thank you for joining the show today and and just being the the person that you are, and uh, and know that I uh, admire you and, and deeply respect you. Um, but would love for you to respond. You know, 
you have you have all the people in the room, right? You have all the ears you want in in the room. You know, what would be your message, you know? And even you can make it closer to home. You have all the parents and kids, coaches listening to you and community listening to you. What would be something that you want them to all know um, and and see? <laughs> it's a big question. That is a lot of, that's a lot of pressure so, there, Chris. But uh, I think that I would want to know, everybody to know just, you know, what what is your motivation? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? And um, can can we work together, you know, as a group here to go in a certain direction, which is best for everybody? And that's going to take sacrifice. That's going to take challenge. That's going to take giving away and not receiving back in return. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go, servant leadership in a sense doesn't go well all the time, every time. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I think I would like people to know just, I, I love this community. I love what I'm doing with the, with the club and uh, really want to see kids and families thrive here because of the work that's happening with, with us, but um, just everybody in general. So, yeah. Yeah. And one last thought, you know, we've talked from a biblical lens and I'm going to finish with one, mm. but you said servant leadership doesn't always pay off, <laughs> you know, in, in the moment. And, you know, Jesus Christ knows that firsthand spit upon rejected, um, you know, and suffered, suffered all. So it didn't work out too well for him in that moment. Right. But aren't we all glad that he did that? Aren't Christians so glad that he did that? Definitely. Right. And so that's the payoff with, with servant leadership, not to compare ourselves at all to somebody like Jesus Christ that by any, by any means, that's not what I'm trying to do, but it's not always easy. It's uncomfortable, like you said, but the, but it pays off, um, because people can change, right. Mm -hmm. And people, people do change. And when we're in a leadership position or any position of influence for that matter, that's, that is our job, right. Is to help people, help people grow, help people change, influence people. Yeah. Um, so good. again, Colin, appreciate you. Oh, thank uh, you. and I'll, I'll reiterate, just admire you. I'm glad that you could join the show. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you ran over here. <laughs> I saw, I saw Colin running here down the sidewalk from my window. I in enjoy my running. What can I say? So, no, thank you for having me, Chris. It's been a lot of fun to, to chat and, uh, talk about these things. It's, I love, I love it. I, the respect goes back to you as well. I appreciate you and what you're doing at, at here and then at the soccer club as well. So it's good. Well, I appreciate that, man. Uh, well, thanks everyone for listening. A lot to think about from this episode. Um, I invite you to consider servant leadership and, and whether you have the title of leader or not in your life, whether wherever you're at in your life, I invite you to, to, to consider that as, as listeners out there and, and how you can begin giving away um, uh, something a uh, little at a time. So uh, with that, that's the end of our episode. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, This is the Rooted Leadership Podcast. Till next time, be safe. Take care.